welcome to A Slice of Orange, a podcast on politics in North Orange County, California with me, Jody Balma, Professor of Political Science at Fullerton College. Today's guest is Neil Kelly, the Orange County Registrar of Voters in charge of our elections. Welcome to our podcast and thanks for stopping by. Thanks, Jody. Happy to be here. Good. So uh, I know that you are busy and uh, wow, things are happening in elections. So I want to <laughs> start with some information uh, for voters and have you correct some myths about mm-hmm. votings and ballots. Um, talk a little bit about the March 3rd primary, which I feel like we didn't get to talk about. Sure. The pandemic came. Um, so ballots have been mailed and people are already voting and returns are way up according to your office, which I loved seeing. And I got my little text and showed it to everybody. Awesome. Um, which was really fun. So clearly there's concerns. Um, every registered voter will have a ballot. Um, is that safe? And how do you protect voter integrity? Right. So that's a great question. And I, you know, we moved to the Voters' Choice Act in the first part of 2020. And under the Voters' Choice Act, it does three things. One is every voter in the county gets a ballot. Mm-hmm. The second is it extends the window of voting opportunities instead of a single day. And then the third, which is one of my favorite, is that you can vote anywhere in the county at a vote center. Right. Um, so, so leading up to the transition to the Voters' Choice Act, we, we did a lot of work um, for years on list maintenance. Now, some of the things that we do are different than any other county. For instance, we use third-party data to track down moves. We use national death data to try and increase the deceased information that we get. We work with Caltech. We have a partnership with them on increasing the duplicate matching checks. That's the preparation for sending out a ballot to every voter. It just so happens that under the pandemic, now every county in California is doing that. But we were, I think, in a different position, more prepared for that. But I do want to say, yeah, and I do want to say uh, up front that voter registration databases are one of the hardest government databases to manage for the, the simple reason that as a voter, you're not compelled under the law to update your information. Right. Right. So, for instance, if you change your driver's license, your passport, you know, your taxes, the laws compel you to update your info. So we're constantly chasing people. We have people in Orange County that moved eight, ten times. So I I guess ultimately, in answer to your question, that's a big lead up to that, is that I believe it is as safe as possible under the circumstances of the laws that we currently have and the dynamics of voter registration databases. Right, right. And I mean, clearly you've been in the news lately and Orange County again made national news with uh, the Republican groups installing drop boxes that they labeled official drop boxes. Right. Um, And and right here in Orange County posing as official drop boxes. Um, First, is that illegal? Yes. And so uh, unofficial ballot drop boxes are prohibited by law. And I think the nuance here that people need to understand is that there is a law and, you know, the, the, the folks that have installed those have been citing that law saying we have the ability to collect ballots from individuals and then turn them over to the registrar's office. The law says you have to do that within three days. Mm -hmm. But what's clear in the law is that you must assign your ballot to somebody. So let's say you have someone knock on your door and they said, I'll take your ballot for you. You're assigning it to that person. Mm-hmm. You can't assign it to a physical inanimate object. Right. Right. <laughs> you can't assign it to a box. Right. And so that's the problem. And there's good reason that unmanned, unattended official ballot drop boxes are only 
managed by my office or election offices and there's regulations and laws and requirements for installation and security and pickup um, to maintain the integrity of those ballots. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and, and hopefully the, the DA will, uh, you know, pursue that investigation that he opened this morning. So, um, so if I drop my ballot off at the drop box, when does it get picked up? How often? People have a lot of questions about that. What's to stop somebody from stealing the Dropbox? What's to stop somebody from trying to destroy all those ballots? We are the only California county that services those boxes daily. That includes Saturdays and Sundays. I have uh, 30 individuals that are members of teams of two, radio dispatch, satellite tracked, that go out and do that daily. And they do random routes, so you never know when they're going to show up. Um, the boxes themselves, we did a lot of work, you know, leading up to this, um, transition. They're a thousand pounds, quarter inch steel. And we looked at lots of different boxes. These are the most sturdy, secure boxes, in my opinion, that are out there. The same ones that are used across the state of Oregon and across the state of Washington. Who have been doing this for years. Decades. Right. Right. And, uh, and so from the standpoint of your question about stealing it, you're going to take the sidewalk with you if you're trying to steal it, number one. Um, the boxes themselves were the only county that installed fire suppression systems in them. So if somebody tried oh, wow. to start a fire, we did a lot of work with yeah. the Orange County Fire Authority. And actually those boxes, when they're sealed, have very little oxygen in them. So okay. a fire to start is almost impossible, we found out. Okay. But if it, if it were to start with an incendiary device, that will deploy and put it out. Wow. We designed the boxes so that the collection device inside is separated from the walls and lifted off of the ground. So okay. it, it prevents liquid damage from occurring. Okay. So there's a number of protections that are in place to secure those ballots. And I keep telling people those boxes are a thousand times more secure than that little blue box you've been putting your ballot in for 10, 12, 15 years. Right. Which, <laughs> right. which I've never had a problem with. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You're right. So, right. I mean, but it's just, you know, the narrative, yes. the narrative is that, the, right. Uh, but anyway. the narrative is it's less safe and you're like, no, no, I don't yeah. want to make you distrust the post office, but this right. is so much safer. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and, and uh, what about the vote center? So I know a lot of, of people like to vote in person. That's a little more challenging with the mm-hmm. pandemic, but you do have vote centers as well. We do. And after COVID really exploded in March, you know, I was um, on calls daily with the leadership in the legislature and secretary of state, et cetera, with other election officials, figuring out what were we going to do in the fall. Right. And it turned out and, you know, we we initially opposed that when I say we, a group of election officials to do in-person voting because we didn't know we were going to be with COVID, number one. And but at any rate, we have that uh, mandate by the governor and the legislature. So we did a lot of work preparing our vote centers for keeping them as safe as possible for our employees as well as the voters. And I've been telling people, I've been going out to eat again lately, and I feel pretty safe. I think the restaurants are doing a fairly decent job of of keeping us safe. But I got to tell you that what I see in our vote centers, I think people are going to feel much better in that environment. Yeah. Um, just real quick, if I could, Sure. hand sanitizer stations, full PPE for our staff. If somebody comes in without a face covering, we will offer them one. They don't have to wear one. We can't make it wear it, but we'll right. offer it. Um, floor signage, floor graphics, uh, disinfectant for every device 
after every use. Mm -hmm. And then um, I've been telling people I feel like I'm in the pen business because we have purchased 300, now actually we're now up to 425,000 pens wow. for voters to use one time. So they're not sure. having to reuse a pen. A and senior. then, right, exactly. You get the I have voted sticker and you and, get a pen. And you get the pen. And, but to the, to the sticker, now we have dispensers at the exit point. So you can grab your own sticker on the way I out. saw that on your video. Your yeah. social media was, yeah, which, you know, when I first started voting by mail, I was like, no, I want a sticker. And right. <laughs> you gave me a sticker. And then so we did that. Very, yeah. very happy. Good. Um, so you also have drive through. We do. So they don't even you, have to get out of their car. Exactly. And I and leading up, you know, over the summer, I spoke to a lot of community groups, including senior groups, and I heard loud and clear that, hey, they wanted an option to hand somebody their ballot, but they were concerned about COVID sure. and, you know, going into in person. So we have uh, 42 sites around the county where you can drive through, drop off your ballot, you'll hand it to uh, one of my deputy deputized okay. election officials, and that'll be collected daily as well. And then at the Honda Center, you'll also have the ability to drive through and vote if you want to. So we'll check you in in and out style. Yeah. And then you'll get your ballot. You'll go into a stall. You'll vote. Yeah. And off you go. And that's a nice mega center, mega voting center, right? Centrally located right off the freeways. I think saying mega is is a good way to put it because <laughs> we were out there the other day for an operational meeting and we, we're going to have 450,000 usable square feet. That's between wow. the outside and the concourse. Wow. Now compare that to an average vote center of about 1,600 square feet. Right, right. <laughs> so right. it's going to be a huge site. Yeah. So if people have trouble with their ballot, now, you know, they can, they can register to vote still till October 19th. Um, after that, what do they do if they haven't registered to vote? What, they if, can, they can't, what if they don't get their ballot? So they, they have up to October 19th to register and still get a ballot through the mail. Mm -hmm. They can still register to vote by coming in person to do it. So same day registration will go all the way through election day. So they'll be able to do that at one of 170 sites throughout the county starting on October the 30th. And any site, right? It doesn't have to be in your town, any site. Any site in the county. We're <laughs> going to have pop-up mobile voting that's going to start October 24th, and that's going to be at several locations throughout the county. They okay. can do that there as well. Or if they want to do it before we start on the 24th, they can come into Santa Ana here and do it. Into your office and do it. Yeah. So really very few excuses for not voting if you're eligible. I believe there are no excuses. <laughs> As a political science professor, I love that answer. I yeah, agree. Right. Yeah. So obviously in 2018, it took weeks to count the ballots. And I was hitting that refresh button over and over. And, you know, I, I teach during your five o'clock update. So I take a break and do refresh. Um, how do you think this is going to go? I know that that's, you know, a big prediction that's hard to, to, to be able to make. But... It seems like people are voting really early. Well, so I'm, I'm looking at our operations board right now. And as of this morning, we have 100,000 ballots back. That's wow. with the mail this morning. Now, compare that to 2016. At the same day, we were at 22,000 ballots. Yeah. So it is an enormous flood right. of ballots that are coming in. Right. And... Um, you know, we talked about those unofficial drop boxes, too. Our official drop boxes, we have... 20,000 that have returned them through the boxes themselves wow. already yeah. of the 100,000. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it, I think in answer to your, your question that we will have all of the ballots that I receive through election morning 
processed and ready to tally on election night at 8.05. Every single one. Every single one. Every single one. So what will happen then starting at nine o'clock on election night will be the in-person vote center votes that okay. were cast over that five-day window. Right. We'll start posting those every 30 minutes until we're done. Right. And we've changed how we're doing that. So I think that's even going to be sped up. Oh. And then, yeah. Tell me. Well, so um, instead of bringing all the equipment back that night, we're only okay. bringing back the data. That's the first time we've done that. Okay. We're going to actually tear down the equipment the next day. The next day. So what so that does is things up. Exactly, because now you're not waiting for people to tear down those that's vote exciting. centers. So that should be faster. So then all that's left is what people mail on that day or what they drop off. Now, those could be very large numbers, as you know, sure. from 2018. Sure. Um, but the good news is, compared to 2018, because of vote centers, we don't have provisional ballots. Right. And that was almost 200,000 in 2018, right. which really extended the time period. Yeah. yeah. So uh, on the whole, I think it's going to be much quicker in Orange County. Certainly, I think for an urban county, I believe will be the first one done. Okay. But then, you know, you still have statewide. I mean, sure. Yeah, 57 sure. other counties. So. Right, right. So we won't know the outcome of the propositions. Right, the propositions or the presidential contest in California. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I, I kind of hate to even put this into the world, but what's your nightmare scenario with this election? Maybe <laughs> not for the county. Hopefully you've mitigated yeah. everything you can possibly mitigate. But what's the nightmare scenario for election officials? I mean, I certainly... What the are you chat, guys talking about? Yeah, the chatter, and and I think what we're all uh, cogitating over is just, you know, what's going to happen on the national level when it comes to the presidential contest? That certainly is an unknown that right. you know, we don't know if there's going to be challenges. We don't know if the court's going to have to step in. I, it's just really an unknown. I mean, I, I think the good news for us in California, either way you look at it, whatever side you're on, is that we're not a battleground state. So I don't right. think we're going to see those kinds of issues. But um, it's still that uncertainty. I think the other thing is just on election day, I mean, we're doing a lot of preparation for, you know, observers and people that might be out and about um, right. and, and, and making sure they understand the rules, you know, right. because my office, we're not going to tolerate intimidation. We're not going to tolerate interference with the voting process. And so, yeah. you know, those are the kinds of things that keep me up at night. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And, and certainly with more and more mail-in ballots, that that is lessened as well. Exactly. Yeah. So so let's go back and talk a little bit about March because I feel like I missed my postmortem March uh, process of, you know, y- your office in Orange County was really ahead uh, of the game and and we saw that sort of coming as you know the percentage of people voting in person to the people voting by mail was was shifting so that you were kind of doing all of this precinct work, but also, you know, the, the numbers were tipping. And so I think, you know, you really made the decision to go to mail-in ballot. And I mean, obviously not being able to predict that we'd be in a pandemic, right? but, but you got kind of a trial run. We did. And so so what did you learn from that? Um, You know, I think in 2018, like two thirds of the voters were casting mail-in ballots. Um, and, and so what was one of the reasons that you made the change in 2020 to do all mail-in by March? Right. So one of the things that I saw, and you know, I come from the retail background, and what was really striking to me was that how inefficient the process was for, for processing voters right. on election day. 
there, all of this infrastructure was put in place and these resources expended. And then, as you pointed out, we just had this declining an, um, amount of individuals that were going in person to vote. And if you looked at that from any other perspective, you'd say, wow, that we, we need to reconfigure this, right? Yeah. And so, and the other thing was, is just the challenge of provisional ballots and the, right. the, the tying a voter down to their home precinct just really right. didn't make sense, right? Yeah. And, and I worked at a poll, uh, you know, a polling place and the number of people who came in wanting to vote and you had to tell them like, here's a map and here's where to go. And right. it was so frustrating because you'd sent them out the door thinking they are not going to go. Exactly. They're, like, they're going to give up. Exactly. And so, you know, really looked to Colorado and worked with the Secretary of State on figuring out what can we do differently. And Colorado kind of led the nation in that regard because they moved to vote centers, gosh, it's about 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and it's worked well. And, and you know, the, and it's bipartisan. I mean, there's they've embraced right. it. And so that's the path I went down because of all the reasons I've described to you. Yeah. Um, and, and what we learned from March were a couple of things. One is I think vote centers in general, we have to continue to expand the square footage because unlike if you worked at a, I don't know where you worked before, but if it was in a garage or, you know, some of the locations of polling places. On campus. Okay. So some of them were very cramped and, you know, right. the process voters. So we needed to expand that on top of the fact we had COVID. Right. Uh, and then just learning um, some nuances about the equipment and how quickly we could process voters and the check-in process. And we expanded that. I actually purchased additional equipment for the yeah. November election. So, um, yeah, there were some good lessons learned, but I think we had a great launch. Yeah. And obviously to do that, to allow people to vote. I mean, one of the reasons that we used to be tied to precincts, just for historical reference, is because everybody's ballot is different. Right. And, and so, you know, you have to have the city council and you have to have the school board. And so the, the technology advances of allowing the vote centers to produce anybody's ballot right. has really allowed that. Um, and, and what, are, I mean, how many different ballots are there? There's 420 <laughs> ballot styles in Orange County for this election. So yeah, your point is well made, and then you take and then you combine that with the number of languages that we support. Right. The, the the choices are huge. Right. Um. And but now, like you said, with this technology, we check you in electronically. We pull up your home ballot for your home precinct. Right. Which means you can go anywhere you want, and we print it for you right. on the spot. Yeah, and so. When you looked at, you know, statewide, there was an article that said, you know, 100,000 ballots were not counted. And I was like, oh, but let's do the math. You know, that's a very small percentage out of 7 million ballots cast in the state of California. And, and there were two main reasons, both good, that they weren't counted, but the headline is scary, right. that they weren't counted because they arrived after the deadline and they weren't counted because the signature didn't match. And so how, how have we uh, addressed that as a state? So California has a fail-safe system in place for voters. And that is if my office reviews those signatures and we, and by the way, we go through multiple layers. It's not just a single rejection. And we reject the signature, then we issue a letter to the voter. The voter has an affidavit that they can sign and return. And that would allow for the opening of that ballot. And under COVID-19, those voters will have through November 24th to be able to cure those issues. Okay. So long after election day. Now they're not revoting. I want to put that out there, make that clear. Okay. All they're doing is allowing the opening of their ballot they cast yeah. before election day or on election day. Right. Um, so that, that safety net is in place in California. Same thing applies if you don't 
sign your ballot. You know, you don't sign your envelope that that triggers it and goes out. Right. So, so that's in place to protect them. So if I've gotten my confirmation that my ballot has been received, mm-hmm. that means that my signature has been checked? That Yeah, yeah you'll get a message uh, ultimately that says it was counted. So oh, we'll, you'll get the received notification and, and then you'll get the counted notification. Okay. And, and tell us a little bit about that ballot tracking tool because for most people it's, it's new. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I loved getting that text. Um, it, it just makes me breathe a little bit easier. And right. I know my friends did as well. Um, so how does that work? What is being tracked? It's not my actual vote. No, right? no. And, and I'd like to start off by saying, and I keep saying this to people, if you're going to track your pet food coming from Amazon, why won't you track your ballot? And so right. I'm really encouraging people to do that. Yeah. Um, and what we do is we spray a barcode on the outside envelope that tracks the outbound. And then we invested in technology where we now spray on the inside envelope, which tracks the return envelope. Mm-hmm. So all we're doing is tracking the package, not what's right. in the package. Right. And so when it, um, like you pointed out, when it goes out, you go through these multiple series of text messages that'll tell you the status. And when it hits my office, we go through a series of automation, uh, very large machines that capture the signature, capture the data, and then triggers that received message for you. Yeah. I Whenever I signed my ballot, I always get nervous. I was like, what, what signature was I using when I originally moved here and I registered to vote? And I'm always very pleased when it's like, oh, yeah, that was the same signature. It didn't trigger yeah. anything. And let me say this too, because now 70% of voters are using online registration or they're registering through DMV. Or for for instance, like you and I, where we registered on paper before, if you go to DMV and update your registration, it will grab your signature from DMV. Yeah. So I just tell people, pull out your driver's license, out your your purse or your wallet and look at that card. That's the same signature we're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. You know, I, I ask uh, a couple of end of show questions to everybody I have on. And so I want to ask, what's the best advice you ever got? <laughs> That's a great question. Best advice I ever got. And you don't have to have taken it. Okay. Well, I did take this advice was okay. um, do your best to work for yourself. That was the best advice I got. And I did okay. that for, you know, about 15, 16 years, yeah. which served me well, but I don't think I would, I'm not sure that that advice would be great now because I love public service and I'm not yeah. working for myself. I'm working for the voters. So, you know, in the County and, and right. I love that. I love that too. And, you know, I have to say, and I say this to other people all the time. Um, if, if everybody interacted with the Registrar of Voters office, your staff is one of the best government offices I have ever encountered. And every candidate I've ever talked to has the same amount of praise. Your staff goes out of their way to be helpful and kind and really informative. Um, and I just really appreciate that. I think, I mean, I, I don't want to praise you too much around the, the country or the state for fear you'll be st- stolen away from us. But um, I really do. I think we are so lucky to have you and so lucky to have the people who work for you. 
Well, I really appreciate that. And I will tell you, it's not lost on us because I share that with the team all the time. And I hear those good comments. And we, as a team, the culture is let's every single day we come in do better than the day before. And 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 they're a great team. It shows. It shows for candidates and and especially for people who have never run before, Mm -hmm. you know, to just have the the helpful attitude that your staff does. It really shows. So um, my next question is uh, a book that you like to recommend to people. Yeah. So actually I've just recently read um, the new book by um, uh, Bob Iger, who was the former CEO and chairman of the Walt Disney company and a fascinating book uh, as, as to how he, you know, dealt with um, expanding that company and growing it and the challenges that he faced. I just mm-hmm. loved it. I mean, I, I love reading. And so there's lots of books that I could recommend, sure. but that's the most recent one I read. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah. And some really good lessons about management in that yeah. book and yeah, yeah, the culture of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Exactly. So we're looking for hope. Um, if there's a hopeful message you can share with our listeners. I think there is. I'm, I'm wishing, uh, you know, calm and peace yeah. As we head into these final days and and move past election day, we're going to get through this as a country. We're going to get through yeah. it as as our community, and uh, I really believe that. I think, yeah. you know, I look back on other presidential elections, and there's been similar, you know, hyperbole uh, that we've heard. Sure. Sure. Um, but I, I just am hoping for calm. Calm, calm would be nice. Yeah, <laughs> calm would be nice. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to Christmas too. Sure. Sure. With, with the elections being certified and done. Exactly. Right. And then finally, who should we talk to next? Who's in Orange County politics or government, public administration that we should talk to? Wow. Um, you know, some of, some of my people that I really enjoy talking with, uh, you know, it's across the spectrum. I mean, it's not really partisan. Sure. I mean, I think Senator Umberg has some really good, I don't know yeah. if you've talked to Tom, he has really yep. good insights on elections. Mm-hmm. He's the chair of the Senate election committee right now. Yeah. Um, on the other side of the aisle, I mean, John Fleischman, I don't know if you ever talked to John Fleischman. Sure. We haven't um, yet, but yep. John yeah. is very opinionated in a good way. Yeah, and he has, fun. yeah. And he, he has, he's great to talk to. Uh, I, I'm, so I'm giving you two sides, right? Good, I like it. Yeah. And so that would be my recommendation up front. Yeah, good. Thank you so much. I really yeah. appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.